Before I begin my lesson tonight, I do want to make uh, an additional announcement. Uh, Sister Juanita Oliver was with us today. Uh, I'm sorry I didn't get that to Brother Brandon, but she's been out for many weeks and uh, is now back at home as this weekend, and we're glad that she was able to be with us today. And I also wanted to mention that this afternoon, uh, Brother George King was honored with his 80th birthday. But I sat and talked with Brother King for a little while, and uh, he has been working with the Hiawassee congregation two times, but for a total of 56 years. That's a long time to uh, serve one congregation and do the great job that he has done. But he's a good man and uh, still has a very uh, sharp and bright mind. You see Brother George out, be sure to pat him on the back and tell him congratulations on making 80 years and making it well as he has done. I do want to express thanks to the congregation for many of you coming to the Oak Grove meeting last week. There were some of the congregation here every service uh, during the meeting, and I thank you for being there to support the meeting and also to express appreciation to Brother Steve Hillis and Brother Jamie Brock for the great job they did filling the pulpit while I was gone last week. Learning to deal with temptation. You know, the truth is temptation is an ever-present daily reality. If you choose to ignore it or deny it, you are only making yourself uh, an easy prey for the devil. If you say, I don't think I'm tempted much, I, I, there's things that just don't bother me at all, then you are totally missing what the New Testament teaches on the subject. There's perhaps no greater study than to look at the temptation of Christ that is found in Mark chapter 1, Luke chapter 4, and Matthew chapter 4, and to consider all of them and what the Lord endured. There's so many different ways to approach it, and so we're going to try to approach it a little bit differently tonight. But I will make the point that Jesus is our great instructor on that subject. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17, Therefore in all things he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Then the key in verse 18, For in that he himself suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are being tempted. Jesus knows exactly what it was like to go through temptation that you and I face. In fact, if you go a little bit further to chapter 4, verse 15 of Hebrews, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. That is, Jesus went through every kind of temptation that you and I endure, and he showed us how to do it without sin. So as we observe this, we're going to look at four things tonight. We're going to look at the timing of the devil's temptation. Why did he do it when he did? Is there any significance to that? Number two, we want to look at the type. We rarely talk about types and antitypes in the Bible. I remember years ago, I preached a whole lesson on types and antitypes, and uh, when I did... Uh, one young man said, I didn't understand a thing you said. Of course, that's possible at any time, but uh, 
There is a very important value in seeing types and antitypes in the Bible, and we're going to take that and apply that to Israel coming out of the Egyptian bondage. And then we want to talk about the text just a little bit, as time permits, and then finally spend a little bit of time talking about the truths that are to be learned. So let's first of all begin with the timing. And when you look at all three accounts, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you come away with a a big picture, if you will. And the first thing that you will notice is that it followed immediately from his baptism. Our Lord was in Galilee. He left Galilee, went to the Jordan River for John to baptize him. And right after that is when this occurred. In Mark chapter 1, verse 9. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. Then the voice from heaven, you are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Verse 12, immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. Mark uses the word immediately, or if you're reading the original King James, straightway quite frequently. But what it means is that something just happens sequentially, immediately, right after. And that's what happens here. You might say, well, what's the significance of the timing? You see, in this situation, our Lord was perhaps at one of the highest points emotionally and encouraging. He's beginning his personal ministry. He has just been baptized by John, and the voice... From heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. God is happy with him. The spirit has descended upon him like a dove. You have the the blessing of the father. You have the blessing of the spirit. Perhaps no greater unity on earth than what you see at this period in time. But early in our Lord's ministry, he was going to be challenged. You see, this is when he really begins his personal ministry. This is when he really starts in earnest of preaching the gospel that repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And isn't it amazing that when someone embarks upon a new phase in their life, they are very vulnerable. Brother Don Sullivan mentioned this morning to those who are graduating that things are going to change for you. Some of you will be going off to college. Some of you will be getting a job. You'll perhaps move out on your own. You'll begin to uh, live your own life. Mother and daddy will not be there to tell you to get up now. It's time to go to church. It'll be your choice. And you'll have to make that choice yourself. And there will be a temptation that will come before you. Will you be loyal? Will you be true? Will you be faithful? And early in the ministry of Jesus here, He's being challenged. You see, the truth is the devil seeks to go after a person when he thinks he's the most vulnerable. The devil doesn't wait until you're strong and all the the problems in your life are resolved. In fact, he'll go at you when you least expect him. That's when he'll be there. But for a few minutes, I'd like to talk about the type of Christ. Israel was the type of Christ and I want you to notice a phrase that we often overlook found in Matthew 2, verse 15. You remember that after Jesus was born, Herod was persecuting, wanting to kill the male children. 
And so being warned, Joseph and Mary take Jesus to Egypt. However, after Herod dies, Jesus returns and Matthew records and was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, out of Egypt I have called my son. You see, there's a parallel just like Jesus came out of Egypt, Israel came out of Egypt. But if you notice the baptism... And that's the term that scripture uses to talk about the children of Israel going through the Red Sea. Notice 1 Corinthians chapter 10 for just a moment. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all of our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses. You say, oh, when they went down into the Red Sea and they came up on the other side, that there's a parallel there? Yes, there is. If you continue on, he says in verse 11, Now these things were written for, our, they happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition. You see, we learn, but notice verse 13 and how this ties. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but will with the temptation make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. So there is a connection between what happened to the children of Israel coming out of that Egyptian bondage, going into the promised land, wandering through the wilderness. There's a parallel there, and the temptation is that parallel. You see, the 40 years that the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness is mirrored by the 40 days in which our Lord neither ate nor drank. And when you start looking at the very first test that the children of Israel face when they come out of the Red Sea is found in Deuteronomy chapter 8. And you'll remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you, to test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you and allowed you to hunger. And fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know or make known that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So the parallel is just exactly what Jesus said was a parallel to what occurred with the children of Israel. But you see, if you keep going on, you will notice the second challenge that they faced was that of whether or not God would protect them. Do you remember Jesus is on the pinnacle of the temple and what Satan says is cast yourself off because it is written he will give his angels charge concerning you lest you at any time dash your foot against a stone. And when I go to Deuteronomy 6.16, you shall not tempt the Lord your God as you tempted him at Massa. Exodus 17 explains that. By talking about the water, you'll remember that they were thirsty, they wanted water. And they're begging, they're pleading with Moses to bring that water. You drop down, if you'll notice, uh, Moses cries out, they're about ready to stone me. He says, you go before the people, take some of the elders with you. And then he tells him to bring the water there. But I want you to notice particularly verse 7. So he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because of the contention 
of the children of Israel. Because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? They tempted the Lord. Do you remember how Jesus responded to the temptation of Satan? It is written, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. In other words, you don't put God to the test. You don't tempt God and say, well, is God really among us or not? But it doesn't stop there. The third temptation that you see among the children of Israel is while Moses is on the mountain. And while Moses is on the mountain and there is a delay taking place, then you see the children of Israel deciding to worship another god Deuteronomy 32, beginning with verse 1. Now when the people saw Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods that shall go before us. For is this man Moses, the man who brought us about of the land of Egypt? We do not know what has become of him. So immediately what you see is the children of Israel are searching for another god, and Satan in tempting Jesus is saying, Fall down and worship me. And you remember his response. You should worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. So as you look, there's the parallel, if you will, the type and the antitype of the children of Israel and the temptation. Now let's talk for just a minute or two about the text. I thought about spending time, in fact I actually have modified it a little bit, shortening going through here because... I believe most of you already know the three temptations that the Lord endured. But I do want to pull out some particular points with regards to this. The first one is that Jesus was driven into the wilderness. Matthew, Mark, and Luke emphasize that Jesus was, we would say, just like a demon was cast out, he was driven out of someone Unwillingly, Jesus was put in the wilderness to do without food. Now, I've been in that area, and I know that when you walk around, there's nothing but a bunch of sand and rocks and dirt. That picture that I began the uh, lesson with was a picture of what they call the Mount of Temptation. And you can say, well, how do you know that's the one that it is? I don't know. But I do know that Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River. I do know that he went into the wilderness, and that's the wilderness, so you're right there at it. And there is nothing but rocks and dirts on the top of that mountain. And being tempted is not something that a person enjoys. It's not saying, I'm going to put myself in a place where I'm going to be tempted. No, in fact, just the opposite is true. We want to avoid temptation. The text said he was in the wilderness with wild beasts. I don't know about you, but it's hard for me to imagine going through the difficulty that our Lord is going through, not eating for this period of time and having to worry about the wild beast as well because if he's hungry, they're hungry. And then when you get to verse 13, he endured every temptation and the devil left him until an opportune time. Is it possible that there are more temptations than the ones that we have 
just looked at the three, very possibly? Are there things that the devil tried to show Jesus in order to try to subvert him, very possibly? But I know that he left him till he found another opportunity. Another time when he felt like he could try to deal with Jesus' weaknesses. See, Jesus was in a human body. That human body had hunger. That human body had thirst. That human body had feelings. It had desires. You could be up and you could be down. And I think about when our Lord was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he prayed, Father, let this cup pass. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. There are times when the devil would come back. I think about what Peter did in Mark 16. When the Lord said he had to go to Jerusalem and suffer. And Peter said, far be it, Lord. It says he left him until an opportune time. And then the angels came and ministered to his needs. You know, even after the temptation, God makes sure that he cares for his own. Now, for just a few minutes, I'd like to explore some truths that you and I might be able to learn from this section. The first one is is that temptation comes to everyone. It's not as if that you and I can say, well, he's tempted and I'm not tempted. It may be in one area, but, you know, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says that there is a temptation that we are most easily ensnared. The sin in which you are most easily ensnared or besetting. So that means that every one of us are going to be tempted at some point or at some time. I thought the old preacher Spurgeon said it well. God had one son without sin, but he has no son without temptation. Everyone has been tempted. Number two, the devil always looks for opportunities of weaknesses in all of us. And again, I thought Spurgeon had another great statement when he says, Many a man thinks himself a Joseph, and the only reason why is that no Potiphar's wife has tried him. And many a man has never been an Achan because no wedge of gold or a goodly Babylonian garment has come in his way. You see, the truth is, is that we may look at someone who succumbs to temptation, who has given in to it and say, well, look at them. But his point is simply this. You may not have been in their situation, in their shoes, and endured the temptation which they endured. Temptations come from several directions. As I pointed out, the devil looks for our weaknesses, and he looks at specific weak spots. In this case, it was hunger. It was doubt. It was religious devotion. The devil would love to tempt us in all of these areas and more. In fact, I would suggest to you that if you want to learn to deal with temptation is you yourself look at yourself right now and say, where am I vulnerable? Maybe you're going through a difficult time financially. And the devil may put something before you as a real temptation. You know, you have to say, devil, I'm not biting. Number four, there is value in looking to God for help. When you look at the Bible, it's very clear that you and I need to be a praying people. We need to be a people who appeal to God for the help that we need. 
He said in the parable, or not the parable, the model prayer in Matthew 6.13, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lord, don't allow us to be led into the place where temptation occurs. You ask God to do that. And then when you find yourself there, deliver us from the evil one. Luke 22, 40 and 46. He told the apostles, Peter, James, and John, who were there with him in the garden, just a stone's throw away. Pray that you enter not to temptation. Watch and pray, arise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The Lord knew that if you will spend your time asking for his help, then you first of all recognize you need it. And then number two, you have it provided by God. And then the passage we just alluded to earlier, 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13, he says, God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, and he will make a way of escape. So you should ask God. But the devil can be defeated. You can say no to the devil just like Jesus did. But to do so, you have got to make sure you are properly equipped to do that. You know how the Lord answered Satan in each of those occasions? He answered every time by a scripture. In Psalm 119, verse 11, Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. That means is that you and I take God's word into our minds. We keep it in our hearts. And so when the devil presents something, we know what God says on the subject. And we're prepared to deal with it. In Ephesians 6, verses 16 and 17 Paul is talking about being able to resist the wiles of the devil. He says, above all, take the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the evil one or wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. You put on the Christian armor so you can defeat the devil. And then to use another figure of speech, in the parable of the soils of Luke chapter 8, the Lord talked about the various types of soil, the wayside which was hard and packed. He talked about the soil that was stony and uh, you didn't have anything to gather any root. talked about the thorny ground which was choking out everything and then the good soil. But if you go to verse 13, he says, But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while but in a time of temptation, fall away. So what that tells me is, if I don't have deep roots, if I don't have a lot of strength, then when temptation comes, I'm going to fall away. Build deep roots in attaching yourself to the sustenance, the watering that comes from God's Word. The Lord endured temptation and has become our example. He shows all of us how to deal with it, and he is perfect in that. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. You go through it. You come through on the other side. You avoid the temptation. 
God will bless you. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. If you'll prepare now, we're going to extend the Lord's invitation. What a wonderful privilege we enjoy to be able to assemble together. And what a wonderful privilege we have to take God's word, to open it, to read it, learn from it, study it. But you think about God's great mercy with which he loved all of us. You know, you could go by and call everyone's name in the audience here tonight and say, do you know that God loves you enough that he gave his only begotten son for you? And John 3, 16, that whoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. And the emphasis on the fact that Every one of us need to look at our lives and say, I I need to change. I need to to repent of those things I've done wrong. Confess my faith and then be baptized. You know, we keep things prepared here. It doesn't matter if it's during a service or it doesn't matter if it's 10 o'clock tonight. The baptistry behind me is heated. There are garments here. The water is clean. You want to be baptized, you need to make that decision. We're not going to push you to do it. But if you love the Lord just like Jesus did as a son, not for the same reason, but because he was obedient to God, he was baptized. You need to be baptized as well. If you have done that, though, it's very possible this past week and this morning, we had four precious souls who or a part of this congregation who said, I need prayers, I need help. And we can pray with you as well. You know, that's what God teaches us to do. So if you need to respond to the invitation tonight, would you come as together we stand and sing?